This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, it's Robbie here coming up on the Offscript podcast in this episode. We've launched a new feature of sorts, working title. We've called it Alphabet News. News from around the world, from places on this occasion, surprise, surprise, beginning with A. It's all quite random. It's all quite off script. We've also got another edition of Living on a Prior. Now, a wonderful album. Neil Young's Harvest turned 50 this month. Neil Young's been in the news, of course, after withdrawing his music from Spotify following a row concerning the Joe Rogan podcast. So what better time to look back on his epic album from 1972, Neil Young's Harvest, featured on Living on a Prior. The Offscript Podcast. Okay, we've got a new trial feature, Alphabet News. Oh, nice. Are, are we liking that? We've got alph- gonna call Alphabet Dating to Alphabet News. Alphabet News, and we're starting with the letter A. Oh, good on you. Are we really, Rob? Yeah. It's Alphabet <laughs> News, yeah. and we're starting with A. It's going to make sense, isn't it? Wild one. Yeah. <laughs> we're breaking from convention. <laughs> I want you to just throw it out of order next time. Jumps like Although, T. As you will time. learn, I've, I've kind of broken my own rules <laughs> in addition one of this, but we'll, we'll get to that. So, what I've done is I've got a country, I've got a state. <laughs> I've got a city, Ooh. and I've got kind of a town, all beginning with A. <laughs> Brilliant. Two okay. Done. And uh, we've got a little random story from each one of these places around the world. So here it is. Alphabet News, edition one. The, first, the first country, you can guess what the country is. Yes, Austria. No, Australia. <laughs> I knew it was Australia. <laughs> Australia. Okay, so the story that I've zoomed in on is zoomed in on Aussie bloke asked a landlord for a reference from a previous tenant and I think this is interesting because I I would be interested to get people's thoughts on this particularly if anyone's done this out here in Dubai who's rented an apartment here in Dubai now this centres in on an Australian comedian by the name of Tom Cashman he's gone viral of course he's gone viral on TikTok because he's put in a request while applying to rent a property Now, he was asked to supply a reference by the real estate agent to let the landlord know what type of person will be living in their home. However, he flipped that idea on its head Mm. because he went back to them and said, what I want is I want a previous tenant of that landlord to give me a reference for the landlord. To let me know what kind of person I'm going to be dealing with. This needs to be common practice. Now, he didn't hear back from the real estate company for a few days. And when he followed up, they were a little bit confused by his request. They said, I'm not sure what you're after here. And he said, no worries. I was asking whether the owner would provide a reference written by a previous tenant of theirs recommending them as a landlord. I found this an effective way to find out if an owner is good to their tenants. And it seems appropriate since I've already provided a few references to them. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a bunch of back and forth emails between Tom and the real estate agent, which, of course, he documented on TikTok, which is why we know about this story in the first place. The real estate agent, incidentally, if you're interested, was called Stephanie. And uh, they eventually concluded that the landlord isn't in contact with any of their previous tenants. It's kind of like, right, see you later, on to the next one. Mm. Okay, so they couldn't actually reach any of the previous tenants to secure a reference. So Tom emailed just to confirm the owner doesn't have any previous tenants that could get in touch to write a positive reference for them. Stephanie confirmed that. A few days later, the application was withdrawn. Stephanie at the real estate agents withdrew Tom's application without informing him. Mm. He went back to say, hang on a minute, I'd already confirmed. 
They said, no, sorry, the landlord is now looking for someone on a different time period, despite the fact that that time period had already been agreed in writing over email. So the question is, is the landlord a serial killer? Where have all the previous tenants gone? (laughs) (laughs) Questions need to be asked of the landlord. But what do you think to that? I mean, I think it's. I think Tom's making a point there. Yeah, I think he's agreed. absolutely within his right to say, okay, if you're request, if you're requiring, you know, for me to get written confirmation of what kind of character I am, then it's absolutely within his. Listen, it's absolutely the right of the landlord to turn around and say, I'm not going to do that. Jog on. This place will, will sell, or this place will rent, no problem. But I quite like it from Tom. I may well take up Tom's idea and run with it in the future. Yeah. Good luck executing that here. Yeah, well. <laughs> has try. anyone tried? I'd be really interested to know if, if someone has tried to get a reference on a landlord. In fairness, I must say, again, I'm probably in the minority here from all of my mates that live here. I've not heard a horror story mm. with a landlord. I'm, I must be honest here. And if you do have a horror story with a landlord, keep it anonymous. Do let us know for 001. But in the main, you are kind of left to your own devices. I've got a lot mm. of friends who are currently on, and I quote here, good deals that the landlord has been very good to them with the, the kind of fluctuation of prices during the, the COVID pandemic. And it's very rare that I've heard any landlord horror stories. I definitely heard one from a friend in oh, our in our circle. Oh. Lived in a very swish, expensive place downtown. Had the same landlord for like 10 years. And every year it was a new thing of him just being absolutely outrageous. Refused to bring the price down even when all the other apartments were coming down. Yeah. And we were just like, get out. What are you doing? And she stuck with it for 10 years. Yeah, I got I, well, I, I got squeezed by um, my old landlord from about 10 years ago. You're Every single year, the price was going up, like, pretty punitively, okay? And uh, he would also often pay a visit, sometimes barely unannounced, you know. He'd drop me a message about a day before going, by the way, I'm in town. Come I'm on. coming round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, welcome. <laughs> and then, uh, he, yeah, he wasn't the greatest, in all honesty. He was not the greatest. Yeah. He, he was ruthless. He wanted to extract as much money. And listen, that's their prerogative, but when the rents, because we know how they fluctuate here, yeah. when they suddenly go down... I mean, we want to make hay. We, we want to make hay, and uh, no, sorry, that's the rate you've got. We've stuck with the current rate. So it was, it was a stick and move policy from him. It was move when it was going up, stick when it was going down. Hey, listen, proper, proper landlord. And I'm not much of a negotiator, no. unfortunately. I know so the, he, he, and he saw me coming a mile off. Oh, He's like, I can take this guy to the cleanest. I know the apartment you're talking about as well, and yeah. he was laughing all the oh, way. Oh, he was. He was getting twice what tenants next door to me were getting by the end of it by the end of my tenancy right then let's move on with alphabet news if we can we've covered australia Uh, we're heading to a state (laughs) see what i'm doing here we're going to my future home actually we're going to alaska of course we are is it about a shed in Alaska? No, no, I did look at any kind of shed-related news. Couldn't find any. Okay. Couldn't find any recent shed-related news, but I think Chris is going to enjoy this one. I'm loving it already. Rob. Right, you've, heard, heard, of, him, you've heard of fantasy football. Yeah, okay. of course who hasn't. You are a, a skilled practitioner in fantasy NFL. I am, yes. Two-time now, champion. how about fantasy mushing? I take it this is where you pick some dogs yeah. and slit... Get me involved in fantasy mushing. <laughs> Tell me more, Robert. Can I confess what I instantly thought it might be? Go on. Careful. <laughs> mushing together different sports into like a super sport team. No. 
actual taking <laughs> That's lip. mushing. Yeah. There's a big difference between mushing and mushing. Is there? Sorry, no. I mean, mushing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fantasy. You've heard of NFL. Now, when you mush them together, you've got football and fantasy NFL. I've got to be careful here. You've got a cut and shunt job there when it comes to NFL. <laughs> oh, very well done. Thank you very okay. much, Okay, well, let me, let me explain more about fantasy mushing, okay? Okay. It brings fans closer to the trail. Now, one of the mushers behind fantasy mushing has actually never been to Alaska. His name is David Hunt. He is he hails from Paris, Texas. <laughs> of course he does. But what he does is he's got three Alaska Huskies and he runs them when he can in Texas. He actually runs them. He says when they have snow, he gets his sled out and he goes. He also does. Um, he runs his dog on dry land mush as well in Texas on a bike or a cart. I'm just loving the fact Sonal is so lost right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure many of our listeners are. No. So mushing rod for anyone that's listening to this. Well, you've heard of the Iditarod, rod, I assume. The yes. great, the great, uh, the great dog, the mushing race that takes place over the Yukon in, Ala- um, in northern Canada, and it winds up in Alaska. It's a, it's a very long, it's a very, it's an endurance race with mm-hmm. huskies, and mushers are the guys who who ride the sled behind the team of huskies. Okay, and it's a sport. I it mean, it's, sport, it's got yeah. world champions. It's, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we, we've covered it on uh, on our sports show before, but I had no idea. Idea, there was a fantasy mushing site. So mushing enthusiasts can go head-to-head with fantasy teams off their own design, and it, fun- it functions like a fantasy football league, but it's got a twist. And you're going to love this, Chris. Ooh. Participants can't only pick the mushers they think will win for their teams. They also have to pick rookies and racers who fall more in the middle of the metaphorical pack. Yeah, I want to find out more about fantasy mushing. Yeah. Now, fans will learn to, this is according to Dave, fans will learn to follow not just the top 10 mushers, but everyone who's taking part. And people with a bit of an inside track can gain extra points, bonus points, if they, if they know a young up-and-coming musher who not many people know about, but he's going to make some waves Now it's starting to sound like a lot of work, Rob. I just want to go on this website, <laughs> pick a few blokes who I think look like good mushers, <laughs> and I want to see how well I do. I do not need to be doing my research late into the night about up-and-coming mushers <laughs> at the age of 12 or 13. No, Rob. It's too much work. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, I, I would like to dabble in it, and I think the Iditarod, by the way, is coming up, so oh. maybe we should play. We should enter a team, Let's just, just for the team. heck of it. Now, fantasy mushing sees most activity during the Iditarod. Actually, Chris, can you, can you pull up when the Iditarod actually is? I think it's next month, or it might be this month. I just had an image of Rob on a Friday night sitting at home on YouTube, and instead of watching train model videos, just sitting and watching mushing. I tell you what, though, I don't my cap to Robbie Greenfield. The fact that he knows the Iditarod is on the horizon March 5th <laughs> to the 6th. You sad, sad man. You. We've got a month to build up to it. Yeah, listen. Yeah, we, we need to learn the ropes and, and try and figure out who are the contenders. Uh, in fact, they've actually expanded out fantasy mushing to other races, including the Kuskokwim 300. And uh, the other fantasy mushing users will be following the K300, a middle distance race that starts and ends in a place called Bethel. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's all you need to know about fantasy Bethel. mushing. Quite a nice female name, that little Bethel. <laughs> Is that going to be inspiration <laughs> for your, your next child? Putting it out there, Bethel. Quite like it. Okay, we move on to uh, City. Okay. Now, I'd kind of zeroed in on Amsterdam, but I've kind of broken my own rules already in Alphabet what News. Do you mean? Uh, because this isn't actually a news story that, that's come out of Amsterdam. I found a more interesting piece coming out of Rotterdam. <laughs> so I went there instead. <laughs> so, how is this Alphabet 
news? I just, I was looking for Amsterdam, couldn't find anything, and then I thought, you know, we, we need to talk about this story so that's you, emerged from Rotterdam. You were on the De Telegraph newspaper. <laughs> I was on, I was on NetherlandsNews.com. <laughs> <laughs> but I was scouring headlines for something interesting from Amsterdam. And listen, I, I was outraged by this story, and I think you will be as well. Oh, yeah, okay. but it's not alphabet news anymore because we're in Rotterdam. It is. We've just jumped to R. Right, come on then. Okay. Rotterdam, <laughs> Rotterdam Bridge to be dismantled so Jeff Bezos's yacht can pass through. Oh. <laughs> I knew that God. would outrage you. Oh. A massive steel bridge in Rotterdam is to be partly demolished no. so that the pleasure yacht oh being Lord. built for Amazon founder Jeff Bezos can sail through to the sea. Local broadcaster Reinmond said it's earlier like, today. Rewind. Has Jeff Bezos called it the pleasure yacht? No, it's, it's, it's called a pleasure yacht, oh. I think. Right, because I'm telling you, if anyone is calling their yacht the pleasure yacht, needs to have a hard uh, yeah look at, <laughs> themselves. Long look at themselves. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me though. The uh, but the bridge, yacht. the bridge is called the Koningshavenbrug, and it's known to Rotterdammers as De Hef. It was renovated in 2017. The council ple- council pledged at the time that it would never be dismantled again, but that promise is going to be broken all because Jeff Bezos needs to sail his yacht through. Oh. Might be so this for it. yacht is actually being built in. In Rotterdam? Presumably. That's the idea. Yeah, He's the paying shipyard. a, a yeah, exactly. pretty penny, basically, to get yes, this ship exactly out there. That. I'm sure part of the... Part of the cost of dismantling the bridge will be added, I'm sure, to the... I hope the whole cost of dismantling it will be added to his bill. Listen, in fairness to Jeff, he's kept a lot of people in employment in that part of the world. Mm. Remember that, Sonsi. Yeah, Bezos's three-masted yacht is being built by the Oceano shipyard in, in a place called Alblasadam. Ah, so there's the story. It's yeah. my blaster down. There's your A again. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> we're back on A. There we go. Oh, Look we're back that. on A. Great. Delayed reaction there. I love it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I should have should have spotted down. that. Should have really spotted that. It's 127 metres long, if you're interested, and it's the largest sailing yacht in the world when delivered at some point this year. That's according to Boat International. But I do want to wrap up the first edition of Alphabet News. I mean, have you guys... I know Sonal was struggling with it a little earlier, but have you guys enjoyed the first edition? I have very much been enjoying it and yeah. appreciating it, Rob. I'm enjoying it, Rob. Yeah? Because you think it's got legs? so much work I did, in I Even did. if I hated it, my man, you're like a little <laughs> yeah, yeah. puppy looking at you me You couldn't right bear now. to... No, you're like an Andrex puppy. crush so my dreams and hopes. This is the best feature in three and a bit years we've ever rolled out on the show. I really did like the mushing story. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I've learned something new. Medasa has been in touch to say that what on earth were you guys banging on about? Just tuned in, mushing? Question mark. Download the podcast, Medasa. That's the easiest thing to Dog do. Dog sleds, Alaska. Yes. It did to Rob Race. Fantasy mushing. That's yeah. all you need to know. Uh, that's what you should be Googling, by the way. Fantasy mushing to see how you can get involved yeah. in the league up there in Alaska. It's good to know I'll have things to do when I move there. Well, that's it. You'll be a key and a very, very good <laughs> fantasy mushing player. OK, I want to go now to Aloha, which is not in Hawaii, but it's in Oregon. Ah, Okay. Okay. And I want to tell you, this is the final stop for Alphabet News this week. Aloha man eludes police for an hour on stolen tractor. (laughs) How does he elude police? 
Which is, I just had this vision of the slowest high-speed chase yeah. in the history of chases. <laughs> so a 39-year-old man is facing charges after allegedly stealing a John Deere backhoe tractor. Now that is a free plug if yeah. ever there was one. What is a John Deere? Well, I know what a John Deere is. It's those big the backhoe is, is obviously the tractors that rake behind them. Ah. Right? I don't know, but... I'm yeah, assuming okay. that. I'm, I'm, that. I'm putting two and two together there and maybe coming up with five, but okay. I'm assuming that's what it is. Anyway, he managed to drive it for nearly 30 miles, at one point fleeing, and I think fleeing is a generous use. Have you ever seen a tractor in full flight? Yeah, I mean, it's ponderous, quickly. to say the least. <laughs> mm. I mean, you get stuck behind one of those on a country road. You're oh. there for, for hours. Yeah. The idea that, that it could evade successfully chasing cop cars for the best part of an hour is comical, to say the least. This was, the, the, the news story writes, during a lengthy slow-speed pursuit, an Oregon pol- uh, state police trooper reported seeing a tractor driving near Interstate 205 and Highway 213 after midnight. Dude took the tractor on the highway. Yeah, yeah. That is daring. That's what you Imagine do. if you were just you were on duty as a police officer. You're on the you're on you're on the freeway. It's after midnight, and you see a tractor just bumbling along the slow lane. That would arouse suspicions, wouldn't it? Oh no! Back where I'm from, that tends to be what <laughs> the, the farmers will do. They'll they'll do their work late at night so not to disrupt. Sure. You know, Country people. road, I get though, but the highway. Yeah, listen, I would be pretty perturbed if you saw a John Deere tractor down Shakeside Road. I yeah. don't think they're permitted, in all honesty. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to do it, hey, you have to do it. I've never seen a tractor in the Middle East. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've, I've never seen a tractor. Oh, you have seen a tractor. i tell you where you've seen a tractor. At Maidan Racecourse. You'll have seen tractors ploughing, getting it smooth again for the next race at the Dubai World Cup. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Trust me, you have. Okay, all right, I stand corrected. Anyway, just to wrap this story up, there's not much to it, in all honesty, (laughs) but he went the wrong way up a highway on-ramp, disappeared. I don't know how one disappears (laughs) in a tractor. (laughs) He was doing a speedy 20 miles an hour down a country road, straddling the double yellow line and at times driving on the wrong side of the road. When deputies finally pulled him over, he initially said he was lost and then he later admitted to stealing the tractor from a lot in Beaverton. A little pesky so-and-so. And there you have it. There is your roundup of news from places beginning with A. <laughs> Great success, Rob. Oh, thank you very well done, much. Yeah. I feel like you're just saying that now. But um, anyway, we've got Living on a Prior coming up next, and we know that's going to be good because it's all things Harvest by Neil Young. I'm looking oh, forward to taking a closer look at this album. Harvest, yeah. Robbie Greenfield. Seamless links as always. The Off Script Podcast. Living on a Prior. Paying homage to the greatest albums of all time. Oh, I'm excited about this one, Rog. Very excited about this one. And there's a reason why we're doing this. There's a newsworthy reason why we're going here. There is this uh, artist that's been in the news a lot in the last seven days. Uh, he's the man who's taken his music off of Spotify, Neil Young. Because is it of... back on, by the way? Has he reneged? I haven't checked today, um, but... I... I haven't seen either. I haven't seen any stories that he is. Interesting. And I've been Googling Neil Young a lot today, so it might have come up if he, if he had. Right. Um, I know a, f- a few other people have taken it off as well. Johnny Mitchell's one. Mm. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll watch that as it goes. But also, by pure coincidence as well, it is the 50th anniversary, or it was yesterday, of this album. No it's, way. Yeah. February the oh, 1st. Okay, that's a much better reason <laughs> than <the> Spotify story. <laughs> Turned 50 yesterday. Yeah, it did, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. His fourth studio album, Harvest, uh, released on nineteen on the February the first, nineteen seventy two. He is Canada's favourite son, Neil Young, and that album 
he was already popular, but it secured his place in music history. It was the best-selling album of 1972 in the US, um, and that su- success kind of caught him off guard. His first instinct has has been throughout his career was to pull away from Stardom. He was worried that he'd wind up in the middle of the road if he became too popular, mm. too affected by the music label bosses, um, and he didn't want to do that. So in his words, he headed for the ditch, a rougher ride, but I saw more interesting people there. Okay. So quite like. He's got a very distinctive sound. I've, I've tried to sort of mention this to Sonal earlier on. I, it took me a long time to get into Neil Young. Tried in my teens because just people talk about him. If you're into music, people talk about Neil Young. Couldn't figure it out in my teens, couldn't figure it out in my 20s. Only recently in the last sort of five years mm. have I got into it. What about you, Rob? Are you a big fan? Well, my mum was always a fan, so I was kind right. of, I grew up on a bit of a diet of Neil Young and and... and artists of that ilk that helps and I just I think it's you know he's very it sounds weird but the songs are very musical Yep. They're, they're beautifully constructed yep. as as sort of musical pieces. Yeah. And there's a kind of wistfulness about his music, which I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a bit of a challenge. His voice is is kind of, it's unconventional. He's not a pop star. He's not a rock star. It's an unusual voice. Got sweet and delicate qualities on one hand. But also it's quite obtuse. You'll hear it, Sona, when we play some of these songs. It's an odd voice. <laughs> he sounds a lot older than he is. He was 26, I think, or 27 when he recorded oh, wow. this album. But he sounds like a weathered, old experienced gentleman who was telling the story of his life you'll hear it it's quite frail some beautiful moments as, as you've mentioned Rob operatic at times on this album some of the songs to me now that I'm into it sound as though they're scenes in a musical which we'll come to here it is or some of it in 50 seconds really hear what you're saying there about the fact that he's 26. I cannot yeah. believe that. Can you yeah. believe it? It's quite yeah. haunting, that isn't it? voice yeah. is just... Exactly, you associate it with an older person. At times, very haunting. Yeah, you're right. Um, the album features, you, you heard a little bit there, from the London Symphony Orchestra, no less. Uh, also, the voices of David Crosby, Graham Nash, Stephen Stills, Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor, uh, and Young and his band that he created just for this album were called the Stray Gators. I like that. Uh, in 2019, Neil Young wrote on a blog on his own website that um, he confirmed most of this album was written about Carrie Snodgrass, who he was in a relationship with at the time. He called her a wonderful actress and person. She sadly passed away in 2005, I think it was, and she is the mother of Young's son, Zeke. Uh, They split up in 1974, so they were in a relationship at the time this album was being written. Uh, And leading up to the album, three of the people that I just mentioned on the album had worked extensively with Neil Young, of course, in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. 
David Crosby, Graham Nash, Stephen Stills. Um, they'd worked with him for about five years. They went their separate ways in 1970 to pursue other interests. Each of them are still in the industry now. Um, and there was no hard feelings between them, as you can see. They all appeared on this album with their fantastic harmonies, which we'll hear a bit of in a bit. When they split up, Young went back to his roots using country and folk music as a vehicle to tackle big themes that he'd always written about, understanding feelings of love and loss and your place in the world, finding your place in the world, which he's so good at. He went out on the road, he played a load of these songs live, acoustically, to audiences that had never heard them before, and one of those live recordings from that tour actually ends up as a song on this album in oh, its wow. entirety. They didn't touch it, they just took it directly from a live recording, put it straight on the album, and it was that too. Tour, those songs and the, the opportunity would thrust itself upon him. Um, he was out playing live uh, and, rec- and a recording from the tour at the UCLA at Rose Hall would end up as an album and one of the songs from that album would end up on this album. It's called The Needle and the Damage Done and it's just Neil Young on stage, quite beautiful, playing his guitar and playing quite a straight bat with the lyrics. He's lamenting the friends and bandmates that he's lost, sadly, to drug addiction, which was rife at that time. Here's a little clip of it. I sing the song because I love the man I know that some of you don't understand Milk blood to keep from This is live, is it? Yeah, it's live. And to prove it, there's applause at the end of the, of the track, just in case you doubt it, because it sounds so good. Yeah. You know. It sounds like it was recorded in a studio, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, Rose, Rose, Rose Hall, it was, at UCLA. Um, so that was recorded. That was in the can. And then in February 1971, Young travelled down to Nashville to appear on the Johnny Cash Show. And on the same episode, James Taylor and Linda Ronstad would also appear, and they would appear on the album. He was talking to them about these new songs he playing a couple of songs on the Johnny Cash show and then he ran into producer, music producer Elliot Mazer who just opened a new recording studio the brilliantly named Quadraphonic Sound Studios Mm. and he wanted to show Neil Young it brought Neil Young in he loved it just loved the feel of the vibe of the equipment and decided that night to start recording the songs that he'd been playing for um, the last year or so so they recruited a local drummer Kenny Buttree a local bassist Tim Drummond and a pedal steel player which pedal steel is kind of the, the guitar that instead of being on your body it's on your knees and you play like a you, you have a little a cuff of metal on your finger and you play it up and down the strings you'll hear it prominently on this album uh, that was played by Jim Keith he called those three guys, the Stray Gators and the rest is history. They laid down the acoustic songs and the basic tracks for the rest of the electric songs on the album within a few days. Um, so in that session you had Out on the Weekend, Harvest the title track, um, Journey Through the Past, Old Man and Heart of Gold. Old Man for me, the best song on the album. It's absolutely beautiful. It's got light and shade. It's got those very operatic moments that we mentioned, but the lyrics are quite introspective, quite um, existential. Here it is at its quietest moment. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you Mm. I love it. Yeah. And then right next to that, within a few musical phrases, you get a big thump, a big wall of sound as the whole band comes in and the backing singers, which we'll talk about in a sec. Here's what that sounds like. Oh, man, take a look at my life. I'm alive like you. 
hard to place his vocal range, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. almost falsetto. Yeah, it is. I, I, I think you would class it as falsetto. I think you're right there, um, Rob. And uh, what I love about this time, like the, the early 1970s, there were all such solid musicians. Yeah. And that's um, uh, James Taylor and Linda Ronstad singing the backing vocals there. They were just, apparently they were just sat on a couch in the studio, just, they pulled a mic up close to them. So there's no, like, pretentiousness, there's no, you know... They're, they're they were all so unique fun. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just, it was a golden era. I mean, they were writing their own songs and performing their own songs. Yeah, yeah. 90% of artists at the moment just get someone else to write the song yeah. for them. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, designed by committee these days. Um, so the album's eclectic songs were then recording at Neil Young's ranch in California, and they decided to do it without headphones, so they just set up a load of um, PA speakers around one of his barns, and that meant that the microphones were picking up different shots of speakers bleeding out across the room, and it gave like a natural reverb or delay effect, which, you know, it doesn't sound tight and professional, but they liked it. It gave the album like a live, in a room sort of feel. Have a listen to Are You Ready For The Country, and you, I think you'll hear what I mean. Sounds like one of those Western bars, you isn't know, it? You walk yeah. in. A saloon. There's a, ba- a saloon. Yeah. You swing through the saloon doors. Yeah. And then you've got the band playing in the corner. Yeah, they've nailed the ambience. It's yeah. great. It's yeah. great. Uh, very atmospheric. And there you can hear that pedal steel guitar sound. Just amazing. Jim Keith was such a talented guy. Um, so that song, Words and Alabama, were recorded in these sessions in Neil Young's barn uh, with the original players from Nashville who they brought up to Calif- California, um, the Stray Gators, as I mentioned. They'd go out on the tour with Neil Young. So the, the Stray Gators were very important to this album. They toured it with him and then they kind of went their own way after it. Um, Alabama is an interesting story. Okay, so um, I'm going to take you back to Neil Young's previous album after the Gold Rush where Neil had written Southern Man. Uh, And this song, Alabama and Southern Man, had lyrics directed at a band at the time called Leonard Skinner. Yeah, of course. Neil Young quite liked them, but... And they liked him. And they liked him, but it was like a a joshing, like they were trying Mm. to cut each other down through lyrics. So that eventually... An early rap battle, perhaps. It's a diss track, (laughs) (laughs) Eminem probably studied them going, oh, what's uh, Neil Young and Leonard Skinner? They were throwing shade (laughs) at each other back in the 70s. Yeah. So, um, Southern Man and Alabama, Neil Young's two songs, in inspired Leonard Skinner to record this Neil Young reference in the song Sweet Home Alabama. Never registered that before. Yeah, yeah. That he's name checked in the that. Name checking yeah. like three times. It's really yeah. good. And, then, and the reference his song as well. The original song on the other oh, album yeah. was Southern Man. Um, so in in Alabama, Young felt a bit disappointed by what he'd done. He basically just reworked Southern Man from his previous album, and to this day, still talks about it being a bit of a regret. Um, he said in his autobiography, "Waging Heavy Peace," um, Alabama uh, richly deserved the shot from Leonard Skinner um, with their great record. I don't like my words when I listen to it. They're accusatory and condescending, not fully thought out and too easy to misconstrue. So there's a little bit of regret there. Um, Okay. Going to move on to the orchestral moments. Uh, There's a song called A Man Needs a Maid, which was um, directly about his uh, relationship that we talked about earlier on. And then another song as well. 
called There's a World, which is just stunning. It was recorded by Jack Nish with the London Symphony Orchestra over in um, London in Barking Assembly Hall uh, just after they'd laid down all the tracks. I'm going to play you the beautiful opening 45 seconds of There's a World because it demonstrates what we were talking about earlier, about it being more than a country music album. It's like, for me, this song is like a scene in a musical where the character's just trying to figure life out. It's stunning. straight out of the West End, isn't it? Could be, couldn't it? You know, you could put that in pretty much any musical um, about a young man growing up. I think it's absolutely stunning. The whole album's great. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, so I just wanted to kind of wrap up with uh, a little bit about the uh, mixing technique that they came up with and also a little bit about the legacy uh, of the album. Um, so I think this is possibly the greatest mixing technique ever conceived. So they're down at Neil Young's house in California, the ranch as it's called. He's got a huge house and a lot of barns. They recorded the album in the barns. Elliot May of the producer um, linked up the, the left channel of the final mix into the PA speakers in the barn and the right channel of the final mix into a load of speakers that he put into Neil Young's house. Neil Young then jumps in a boat with Crosby and Nash from Crosby, Stills and Nash and rowed out into the middle of the lake in It'd be front weird of if there was house. another Crosby and Nash. Yeah, that's true. Just yeah. a very similar <laughs> arrival Crosby what and Nash. What yeah. knocks about Are you the one with sti- that knocks around with Stills? <laughs> no, we're a different no. Crosby and Nash. How about that? They jump into an aluminium boat and uh, into the centre of the lake in front of Neil Young's house and tell him to tell Elliot Mazer to crank up the speakers as loud as possible so that they get the album just projected out to them in the lake and they say, right, we need to tweak a little bit of this, we need to pull a bit of this, and all that. So I, I just think that is a fascinating image wow. to imagine the three of them in the lake. Plus, at 27, he had a house with multiple <laughs> barns and a lake. That's a guy doing well for himself. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and it's a man who shied away from the limelight. Imagine if he just pursued it and gone for it. it wow. Absolutely loaded. Anyway, at the time, uh, 1972, it was the biggest selling album of 1972. It secured Neil Young's uh, place in modern music history, despite his best efforts to shy away from the limelight but critics hated the album Rolling Stone's John Mendelssohn at the time said the discomfortingly unmistakable resemblance of nearly every song on this album to an earlier young composition is uh, at uh, it's just added all he's done is add steel guitar and new words to after the gold rush Uh, the Montreal Gazette of course um, Neil Young is uh, Montreal's favourite son uh, called it embarrassing at times although interesting lyrics uh, at other times Having said that, the momentum has built over the years and with the benefit of time, we now all know it's a brilliant album and it's just gone up and up those charts and polls that you see of the greatest albums ever made. It's often in the top ten wherever you look. Um, And then in 2005, it was entered into the Grammy Hall of Fame. There was a huge clamour for Neil Young to tour the album for its anniversary um, last year. Sadly, he apparently turned down millions of dollars from multiple investors saying that the original musicians aren't with us anymore. He didn't want to go back. Why is everybody obsessed with harvesting when we should be planting? 
which I thought was quite a nice way to okay. finish up. Well, his album's called Harvest, so that's yeah. why, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it's not difficult. <laughs> oh, it would have been great if you had talked. I know, can you imagine? The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 